0: In the name of God, our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer. Amen. I I thought about preaching on Eli mansplaining to Hannah. (laughs) But I want to be invited back, so... Thomas Merton begins his long poem, Hage Sophia, with, There is in all visible things an invisible fiduci, a dimmed light, a meek namelessness, a hidden wholeness. This mysterious unity and integrity is wisdom, the mother of all, natura naturans. Two weeks from now, we will begin a new church year with Advent 1. We will dive headfirst into the wonderful narrative of the angel Gabriel meeting up with Mary of Nazareth, and they together announcing that Mary will birth the Christ child, that the world is pregnant with expectation of restoring right relationship between God and God's people, Words of holy wisdom, Agi Sophia, will come pouring out of our sacred texts over the four weeks of Advent and into the 12 days of Christmas and beyond. Will be an Advent with Luke's gospel and his mighty words of how the world prepares for repairing, healing, and restoration. But for today, two Sundays away from Advent one. We are standing in the middle of a scene which best describes the overwhelmingly great need the world has for the incarnation, for holy wisdom to break in and make all things new. After the last 20 months I don't think I will ever read this passage the same, ever again. We know it. We've lived it. And we are here to tell the tale of it. Mark's little apocalypse and the world a worldwide pandemic sounds the same, yes? It's quite a play on words little apocalypse, I'm not quite sure how any apocalypse or pandemic for that matter can be understood as little. Apocalypse means an event involving destruction or damage on an awesome or catastrophic scale. So by definition, it cannot be little. Neither can a pandemic, but here we are. I'm told that it's called little because it's shorter than the other two major biblical ap- apocalyptic speeches. Mark's little apocalypse is to the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, what I suppose COVID-19 pandemic is to maybe smallpox or the black peg. Perhaps, both are still horrifying and have left us drained. You know, the author of Mark has hustled us through his gospel all year long. Look there, there's the kingdom of God coming, and we're moving, and we're moving. Look, look, God's doing something over there, and we're moving, and we're moving. Look, Jesus is moving, and we're moving, and we're moving. But now that Jesus and his cohort have arrived in Jerusalem, the pace has slowed way down and we're asked to pay attention in a deeper way, and in many ways, a deeper, more painful way. We're not on a field trip anymore, no more guided tours through the Holy Land. We must face reality. We must find dignity and grace in the midst of destruction and impending doom. The only difference for us today is that we are hopefully on the back end of the pandemic looking at what we came through, not at the front end staring down at what is to come. But we still need to pay attention to the world around us. What is God doing in this place at this time? As Jesus and his group leave the great temple, one of them notes the majesty and magnificence of the great temple. I've been to the Holy Land and I've stood at the ruins of the retaining wall of the great temple. And even the ruins of the retaining wall, some 2,000 years later after the destruction, give way to pause and wonder at the significance of that place. So I can only imagine how overwhelmingly rich the experience of being at the whole temple must have been. So it seems like this person's observation is appropriate to the occasion. Look here, what we have here, a monument to God and God's holy people. Ain't it grand? and in one of the most epic bubble bursting comebacks of all time, Jesus responds by announcing that while it might be impressive, it's not to last. Every single stone will be brought down into a heap of rock of pile. And those sitting us, of us sitting here on this side of the COVID-19 pandemic get that in a way we never would have 20 months ago. Remember that gum punch when Rachel said, we'll access worship from home? It must, it must have felt like a gut punch, impugning the integrity of not only the great temple and its structures, but the utterly real experience of the observer who notes the magnificence and is so thankful to be in that holy space. The group walks away from the temple, out the city, across the Kidron Valley, up a slight slope to the Mount of Olives. It's a perfect location to look out at the grand city with the temple at the center, large, powerful, commanding attention and allegiance. And Jesus begins to speak. Finally, full speaking from this holy man who has brought them all so far. Finally, Peter and Andrew and James and John question him, and he responds full throttle. His prediction, he predicts destruction, near annihilation. Do you remember when we thought we might be near annihilation? Only a few months ago. He warns them not to be led astray. Even when things look their worst. At the end of his speech, he leaves him with, he leaves you and me with, golden words of what it means to be in the midst of salvation history. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. Can you hear Jesus tell you that? you hear Jesus speaking those words into your lungs? After all you've been through, can you let Jesus's words hit you in the bottom of your being and fill you up? We are about to hear birth pangs, which means there's a birth about to happen which means new life is possible. We thought salvation would come with a swipe of a hand or a mighty blow from a sword. We keep thinking that if we just impress God enough with our own ingenuity, our mock perfection, that our grandiose nature of our ability to build structures and systems and programs and alliances would somehow get God off the couch and come down and fix things the way we wanted them fixed and in our time. It turns out, though, salvation doesn't work that way. We keep coming up against that, don't we? How could the Twin Towers on 9-11 just come down like that? How is it that a a high-powered electrical line can spark and bring down a fire so devastating as to burn down an entire town? How can racism still be raging in our day and age? How is it that the ones shooting up our entertainment centers, the clubs where our young adults celebrate life, our schools, our worship centers, are not the foreign-born terroristic evil dudes we've been told to be afraid of, but are instead the home-bred, disenfranchised young white men who, according to our structures and our systems and our arrogance should have had it all. How is it that in our oh so advanced medical age, a virus can take down so many so fast? And in the middle of all this, we are confronted daily by talking heads trying to redefine for us what truth is, what fake news sounds like, who can ask questions, who can hold authority, and what is worth the priority of resources and respect. Be aware that no one leads you astray. This is the the beginning of the birth pangs. Salvation is always a process of new birth out of rubble. It's not static event in our lives. Never has been, never will be. Jesus tells us that there's still darkness to come, but calls us to keep looking for the light. He tells us that we are still moving from alienation to divine community, from guilt to pardon, from slavery to freedom, from fear to hostile powers to liberty and blessed assurance. So to live a life of faith is to live a life as a radical act of witnessing to the truth that all things shall be made new again. That deep down truth that our trite formulas of mock perfection and our less than stellar doctrines and overly complicated agencies of power cannot bank out the pathways to God's grace and glory. The devastation of the last 20 months has forced us to confront the truth that all things are growing and changing even as things die. When you are faced with the news of death and destruction, when what you have held onto as so magnificent as the great temple is about to crumble, you must step back, find your way across the valley to a hillside, to a garden or a beach, and then look back and let it settle your soul, what you see, settle your heart and your mind and know birth is coming. Know the earth and all that is in it is being held by Agi Sophia, divine wisdom, who will birth all of life once again. Know that the salvation comes up through the ashes of the great fires of our lives to new growth and possibly a new path of life. Pay attention to where peace resides. I'm gonna end with one of my favorite poems, The Peace of the Wild Things by Wendell Berry. When despair for the world grows in me and I awake in the night at the least sound and fear for my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of the wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. Amen.